let some of us like me um, do anything like that, we wouldn't get anything else done. We just, that's all we do. Just sit around and, <laughs> and uh, be a blessing all day long. And, and uh, the rest of the world falling apart while we're playing the piano. That's what would happen with me. That's all I'd be doing if I could do that. I so appreciate the talent God gives our young people. Amen. And that they are utilizing it and uh, they are honing those skills and using them in the Lord's work. Well, this morning we began a two-part series of messages from Ezekiel chapter 3 titled, A Watchman on the Wall. A Watchman on the Wall. And this morning we considered a watchman has a mission. That was part one. A watchman has a mission. And we learned that uh, by virtue of being saved, we are God's watchman. Uh, uh, just simply because we know him, we're his children, we're his servants, we're his soldiers. We've been called to sound an alarm of warning. We also learned this morning that Many uh, things can hinder a watchman from doing his job or doing his job faithfully. Things such as fear or being war weary or unbelief or um, indifference or even prejudice can cause any of us to um, be tempted to not want to fulfill our role as a watchman, our mission as being a watchman. So that was this morning. This evening, we're back in Ezekiel chapter Three for part two, a watchman has a message. And so the watchman is not just there standing the post. He actually has something he's supposed to do or she is supposed to do. And so we consider that this evening. Ezekiel chapter three, to pick up the context, we'll read again verses one through 15. And then the text tonight is verses 16 through 21. Moreover, he said unto me, son of man, eat what thou findest. Eat this scroll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said unto me, son of man, eat and fill thy stomach with this scroll that I give thee. Then did I eat it. And it was in my mouth like honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, son of man, go get thee into the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech, that is of a different language or of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. In other words, you can go nose to nose with them because you have my word. That's the, that's the idea. Like an adamant, that is a strong rock. Harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said unto me, son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart and hear with thine ears and go get thee to learn uh, to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people and speak unto them and tell them, thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a voice of a great rushing saying, blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another and the noise of the wheels behind them and beside them and a noise of a great rushing. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to them of the captivity of Telebib that dwelt at the river Kabar, in other words, modern day Iraq. And I sat where they sat and remained there overwhelmed among them seven days. And it came to pass at the end of seven days 
that the word of, of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turns not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commits iniquity and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. What a penetrating and all-searching text this is for all of us and for the world in this day. My son-in-law and Susie's husband, Wes Hurlis, is on active duty in the United States Air Force, and he was just deployed to the Persian Gulf area, to this very area, literally this very area where Ezekiel was ministering and where um, the people were in captivity. West serves in security forces in the United States Air Force on an Air Force base. So basically, uh, for the Air Force, for America, he is right now serving as a watchman on the wall. In the Old Testament, a watchman was a sentry. It was one who stood guard, who stood watch vigilantly, searching the horizon for any threat, uh, an enemy threat from without, or the threat of danger from within, such as a fire or such as a riot if it was inside of the city gates. If a threat was identified, the watchman would sound an alarm to warn the people of impending Danger. It's really um, like, and uh, and Pam and I have uh, used this line occasionally. Um, whenever we sense something that wasn't exactly right from time to time over the years that we've been married, it's like the familiar line spoken by the robot in the uh, '60s, 1960s science fiction show Lost in Space. You remember what the robot would always say? What? Danger, Will Robinson. Some of you are dating yourselves. (laughs) It's that kind of an idea. He was the watchman on the wall. He was the sentry on duty. And it was his responsibility to send out the warning. Well, we have a message that we are to share as a watchman. And in our text, the first thing I want to bring to our attention is a watchman has a message of warning to the wicked for salvation. In other words, that's the end um, desire. That is the, uh, the longing of the heart of a watchman. That not just that a warning be sent out, but that it end up uh, causing that person's heart to be awakened. That uh, his conscience is pricked. That he is um, drawn by the Lord to salvation. And uh, the watchman uh, then has delivered this person. There will be times where the lost person won't uh, acknowledge it and won't turn from that. That, uh, that watchman can't uh, help that. But lost people, we must understand in verses 16 through 19, stand perilously close to dropping off into a literal and an eternal hell, which is filled with fire. It's filled with torment, with darkness. It's filled with memories of times when the light has been rejected. Um, 
it very well could be. And Jesus said that in a local church, there will be tares among the wheat. That is, within a congregation, maybe a congregation of this size, uh, there will be those if, the, um, if uh, that person was to, uh, if all of us were to die right now, if just all of us were to uh, be uh, uh, wiped out due to some kind of a catastrophe, there will probably, if, G- if what Jesus was saying was um, uh, played out in this congregation, there'll be those who stand before him, who in fact do not know him, who will, um, their, their minds as it were, will be filled with memories of times they've rejected the light, that they have, that they have put aside the truth, that they said, it's not for me. It's not right now. I don't want him to rule over me at this point in my life. Hell is an actual place which never ends. And as a watchman on the wall, I have a message of warning which I am to share with unbelievers. And you have a message of warning to share with unbelievers. I want to draw to our attention three principles from the text in this first point regarding what a, a watchman is to share about uh, with lost people and, and what that responsibility is. First of all, we see in verse f- uh, 16 that prayerful fasting yields a burden. And I think I'm, I'm doing justice to the text. I don't think I'm reading anything into that. If you'll pick up to the end of verse 15, it says, I was there, I remained there overwhelmed or astonished. Ezekiel is blown away by the sin, by the hard heartedness, by all the truth that these people have been given through all the prophets and the word of God. And he's blown away by it. Um, And it says at the end of verse uh, 15, I was there for seven days and it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me. I'm convinced that during that time, Ezekiel was focused on prayerful fasting. He was that gripped. He was that burdened by the, uh, the state of the people that uh, he gave himself to that. The times that I find that I'm in neutral or that I'm indifferent to the plight of the lost seem to coincide with the times that I'm coasting with God. In other words, when my uh, spiritual life is not fresh and is not hot for God and pursuing him, it seems like it's during those times that I really don't care that much about impending judgment and for those who aren't prepared for judgment that is soon to come. On the other hand, during those times when my heart is hot for God, then I am much more compelled to follow him and to be the faithful watchman that he has called me to be. Verses 15 and 16 seem to illustrate Psalm 39 in verse 3. Don't turn to it, but Psalm 39, 3 says, My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then spoke I with my tongue. The teaching is very clear of Psalm 39, 3. It's during the times that I'm focusing on um, on the greatness of God, his majesty. I'm, uh, I'm uh, studying about his will from his word. I'm surrendering to that. I'm yielding all of my faculties, all of my members, all of me to um, come under his lordship. It's during those times that I am praising and then I'm praying and then I'm confessing and then I'm repenting. It's during those times that my heart is warmed. It's hot within me. The fire is burning in my soul. And then I speak with my tongue. In other words... Because I've spent time with God, because I've been in the throne room, the fire and the passion for souls is fresh in my heart. Do you all follow what I'm saying? Say amen if you can identify with that. It's prayerful fasting which yields a burden. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said very much the same to Peter and to Andrew as they were net fishing. They had their net and they were uh, casting it out in Matthew chapter four and verse 19. Jesus came along and said, hey, 
follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In other words, if you uh, uh, pour your life into service to me as your Lord and as your king, you're going to do better than just catching fish. You're going to catch men as you uh, throw the net out and seek to bring them to me, the Lord Jesus would say. The implication is those who aren't pouring their lives into others in practical ways certainly can't be following Jesus too closely. Did you hear that? Those who are not pouring their lives out in a practical way through time, talents, treasure, through giving of yourself certainly cannot be following Jesus since he has ordained us to go and bring forth good fruit and good works. Um, Ephesians 2.10, John 15 tells us. Prayerful fasting yields a burden so that I might give a message of warning to the wicked that they would come to salvation. Secondly, in this text, about giving a message of warning. Inherent in the sovereignty of God is witnessing. Inherent. That is, it's written into the script. And I'm convinced that most Red Ridgers are Calvinistic. If, if you understand at all what that's saying, it means that we have a high level of trust in the power and the working of God to arrest the attention of the lost, to give them repentance and faith so that they'll turn from their sin and turn to him. We don't have to use, not only do we not have to use, we reject the use of manipulation. We reject some kind of a strategic plan to somehow trick somebody or, or rope somebody into the kingdom. I know if we'll just do this, if we'll just have a dog and pony show, if we'll put on a circus, if we'll have all kinds of uh, wild and exotic music or ministries or a newfangled look at uh, things, or if we just uh, don't talk about sin or some way, get them to feel comfortable and cozy up to Jesus, somehow they'll magically come into salvation. We reject such tomfoolery. We rest in God's sovereignty. Now, that doesn't mean that we're uninvolved And we sit back and do nothing. God wrote the script. He programmed the software that evangelism is his field hands, me and you. His watchmen are going to be sounding out the warning. That's the plan that he prescribed. And there isn't really any other plan. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear unless one is sent and shares And so inherent, part and parcel of evangelism, God's sovereign plan of salvation is the sounding out of the warning by the watchman. You all follow that? You see that? It's part of it. You see, the end is ordained by God, the salvation of souls. But the means to the end is equally ordained. It's equally holy. It's equally God honoring and God prescribed. So honestly, in your life, are there people God has placed in your life to whom you should be giving the gospel? Are there those in your life, within your circle of knowledge, within your sphere of influence, classmates, neighbors, co-workers, extended family members, maybe those within your own household, that you would say, yes, 
Those folks are lost. They're hell bound. Judgment is hanging over them. And, uh, and they're ready to buy that thin thread, as, as Jonathan Edwards would write, and sinners in the hand of an angry God. They're, that thin thread is ready to uh, be severed in half by the flash of the fire of hell. And they'll drop for eternity. And I know that to be the case with them. And God knows I've not been the watchman on the wall with them. If not you, then who? If not now, then when? God has decreed that watchman will sound the warning. Thirdly, about this idea of a watchman having a message of warning to the wicked. You're accountable to God for sharing or not sharing. And both of those are true. You see, in verses 18 and 19, it says, on the one hand, if you share and those folks reject, you can't help that. They're going to die in their own sin. It's their fault. They're the ones who have rebelled and you can't help it. You've been delivered. You have, uh, you have been a good and faithful servant. But if you don't share when you've been given opportunity and uh, God has put you in there as that watchman, he says, his blood will I require at thy hand. It's like this. If a terrorist penetrates the perimeter of a military base and blows up an ammunition dump, hundreds of people are killed. The war is put on hold because we, we're, we, we don't have any ammunition and just terrible things happen. And the terrorist is caught. That terrorist will be punished for his action. He's the one who did that. He will be punished. He'll be executed. He'll be imprisoned, whatever. But the accountability doesn't end there. And you all with military experience understand just how severe that is. The watchman will also answer for the attack because presumably he didn't do his job. So he must answer for it. When it says in verse 18, at the end of verse 18 and at the end of verse 20, his blood will I require at thine hand. It's not meant to be punitive or injurious to the believer. And it doesn't teach that uh, salvation is the responsibility of the believer. I can't save someone else. I can't make someone else get saved. Certainly scripture is not teaching that. It's an issue of correction and discipline. Folks, the Lord is the boss. He's the one in charge. And he says to me, you're accountable for what you share and what you don't share. Both of those are inclusive in this text. If you share, the person rejects, you can't help that. If the person doesn't even hear because you didn't share, his blood will be required at your hand. In other words, there, there has to be an investigation, just like in that military base. The watchman fell asleep on duty. He didn't, uh, he didn't, take, he didn't take the job seriously, or he was uh, AWOL, or he was uh, doing something else, being irresponsible. Something was going on to allow that terrorist to come in and blow up the ammunition depot. The responsibility lies with the watchman. And so a watchman has a message of warning to the wicked for salvation. Secondly, in our text, verses 20 and 21, a watchman has a message of warning to the wayward for sanctification. That is for holiness. And this is talking about the believer. That is, the believer or the professing believer. We also, as watchmen, are to care for one another. You remember what Cain said. Uh, and he said, uh, to all, of all people, he said uh, to God, 
Uh, who is uh, or where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, what? Uh, am I my brother's keeper? Boy, did he put his foot in his mouth on that situation. Boy, did he ever just, uh, uh, you know, just uh, uh, eat and crow uh, after that. Yes, you are your brother's keeper. The word of God is very clear that believers are to care for one another. Notice in verse 20, uh, in the very first part of verse 20, it says again, when a righteous man, that word again, it's basically saying in much the same way as you sound the warning of impending danger for lost people, believers in sin also need to hear the trumpet call for righteousness. Just like you would warn a lost person for salvation. You are also as God's watchman, you're to warn one another about pursuing righteousness. A watchman not only deals with danger from without, but damage from within. Five things I would suggest from this text about a watchman giving a warning to sinning brothers and sisters. First of all, sinning believers dishonor the Lord who bought them. The first part of verse 20. When a righteous man doth turn from his Righteousness. Folks, believers have a new nature, new nature. You have a new nature. I have a new nature. I'm not the same one I was when I was lost. I was characterized by sin. I was uh, I was an enemy to the cross. I was uh, uh, away, uh, alienated from the life uh, of God. But now as a new creation, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Second Corinthians 5, 17 tells us. And so in times that I sin and that I am not characterized by righteousness, I'm dishonoring the one who has given himself for me. And any of us as a child of God at any given moment can yield to temptation, can fall into sin and even stay in it for quite a while. Think of King David. King David likely had already been, uh, uh, his heart had already been growing cold for some time. So in his heart, he probably was already uh, a wayward. He was already walking away from the presence of God before he ever even heard of Bathsheba. And he sees her and he takes her and he lives in deceit and he's an adulterer and he has her husband killed. So he's in essence a, a conspiracy to murder. And how long did that go on? Practically until the baby was born. So we're talking nine months anyway, eight, nine, ten months or so. At least that long it was going on that David was living in that kind of waywardness. And Nathan the prophet came as the watchman on the wall and said, David, you are the man. You are the one in sin. And I'm calling you to repent in God's name. Sinning believers dishonor the Lord. Nathan told David, you've caused the enemies of God to blaspheme the Lord because you claim to know him. And in fact, you do know him and you're behaving this way. A watchman has a message of warning to wayward believers to direct them to holiness. Secondly, God always deals with his own. This is a sober reminder for me, for you, for all of us. Look at the uh, next phrase in verse 20. When a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commits adult, uh, commits uh, iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, 
he shall die. God always deals with his own. And that's what it's saying right here. If one of my own is walking in iniquity, I'm going to lay a stumbling block. That is, I'm going to put something in the path of that child. If he will not repent, if he is walking in a self-willed spirit of of, uh, independence from me, that is, he's independent from me as a father to a child. I'm not going to roll over and die. I'm not going to put up the white flag and say, "Okay, I give up. You won. You can have your way. A godly parent won't do that. And certainly as our heavenly father, he won't do that. And God will deal with his own. We see many examples in scripture of that. Moses uh, died early. He wasn't going to go into the promised land uh, because of what he had done, his sin. And that's in Sapphira, lying to the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, stealing, as it were, saying that they had done one thing and, and had not, in fact, done that. They were taken home early. First John five sixteen says that for a believer, there is a sin unto death. And that's talking about for the body of Christ. There are times when believers sin unto death because God is very serious about this issue of holiness in the lives of his children. We're to be a watchman on the wall, sounding out that warning. Thirdly, God takes away earned rewards. The middle of verse 20. He shall die because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin and his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered. It shall not be remembered. You'll remember a few years ago, I brought a Lord's Supper series, um, a series of messages in the Lord's Supper called the rewards of the redeemed. And we learned that Christians receive rewards for faithful service to the king. And one of the key verses in that study was found in second John and verse eight. It says, look to yourselves or be very cautious, be very focused, be very cognizant of your life that you lose not those things which you have wrought, but that you receive a full reward. Believers don't work to be saved, but because we are saved, we give ourselves to diligence and to faithfulness. And first Corinthians talks about that in a number of places. Um, some people, some believers, uh, their service is simply wood, hay uh, and stubble. When it's put to the, the righteous fires, uh, uh, fiery presence of the Lord, it all burns up. But some of our work is gold, silver and precious stones. And when it is tried by fire, it is purified and it uh, and it comes forth and is uh, is valuable in the eyes of the Lord. So as a watchman, I'm to call sinning brothers in Christ, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to repent and to follow their Lord. I have a message of warning to wayward believers. Fourthly, I think we've seen this point, actually. Actually, we have seen it. We saw it earlier, but it's the very same message. You are accountable to God for sharing or not sharing. Look at the end of verse 20. It says that um, his his righteousness, which he had done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. God expects his children to lift high the banner of holiness toward the lost for salvation and toward a sinning brother or sister for sanctification. Some of you remember former Redbridge staff member Richie Ray, who was Minister of Youth and then became Minister of Education. He went and pastored in St. Louis back in January of 86. He used to say to us, without loving confrontation, there is no change. Without loving confrontation, there won't be any change. And so unless a 
sinning believer is confronted by the spirit of God in his heart, by the word of God, as well as by the brethren, by the church. Then that person is going to go on walking in foolishness. You see, confronting a sinning believer is biblical love. First Corinthians 13 and verse six says love rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, in the truth, in the lives of the body of Christ. A watchman has a message of warning to wayward believers to direct them to holiness. And finally, loving confrontation is fruitful. Look at verse 21. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, that is, he turns, he shall surely live because he's been warned and you've delivered your soul. It is fruitful. It is beneficial. There are two operating principles when it comes to church discipline. First of all, your focus is the restoration of that sinning uh, believer. You want that person restored. You want him or her to continue again to walk in holiness, to honor God. That is certainly the, the desire of a spiritually minded believer. Galatians chapter six says that um, we need to have that heart desire. And secondly, it's not just the restoration of that one who is sinning, but it's so that the others in the congregation may fear so that all of us may come to grips with the reality of sin and the seriousness of it. Acts chapter five had that in view with Ananias and Sapphira being killed. And it says great fear came upon all the church to the degree that there were some folks who would not even identify with the church because they saw how serious God was about this issue of holiness in the congregation. Being a watchman on the wall in the life of a sinning believer is healthy. It's not fun. But in the final analysis, sin doesn't yield fun, but bondage. As a believer, you're a watchman on the wall. How are you doing on guard duty? There's a whole host of people in imminent danger of judgment all around us. A host of folks. Are you sounding out the warning on a regular basis, or do you have blood on your hands? This has been very gripping study for me the past couple of weeks. And there are times that it's hard to discern, well, do I enter right into that situation? And do I present Christ? What do I say? Not always knowing exactly how to handle it. And um, maybe it caught me off guard and I didn't, I didn't expect that. And I was clipped by it. Forget about all those kinds of things that you just can't possibly know and you can't possibly predict. Just worry about what you are able to do, who you are able to be. And that is a watchman. And when a situation presents itself and God just dumps it in your lap, are you ready to sound the alarm? Are you ready to give a warning to flee from wrath to come? Or will you continue if this is the case? And I don't presume that it is for any individual one way or the other, but continue to walk around, go through this life with blood on your hands by his grace and for his glory. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that in your life either, but that in fact you would with a great measure of boldness and passion, consistency and walking in faith, you would be that watchman on the wall that God has intended you to be. I want us to close this evening 
with heartfelt, earnest, concentrated prayer. Didn't know how exactly to close out this service, but I thought we're watchmen and we have a community to warn. And we have a ministry tool right before us, namely Judgment House, that we're going to be presenting here in about a month. Uh, We're not ready. That's okay. We're not supposed to be ready yet. It's not here yet. Uh, We also have a ministry tool that we present to the community every week, wind teams. Uh, Some some are um, taking seriously that uh, call to be watchmen. Others, maybe um, any number of reasons, have not or maybe just are not in a position that you can. God knows you know. I don't presume to know. But I want us to um, seek the Lord in prayer, personally, individually, as well as as a a congregation, corporately, that uh, God would um, uh, wake us up, as it were, more and more. We would be more alert to the need um, to be that watchman on the wall that he has called us to be. I want to invite you, if you're inclined to, if, uh, if you have a burden that you want to be that, to meet right down here. You who are not able to meet on the floor, sit on the steps or on the front pew. Teenagers, if you're in a discreet manner, I want you to gather right here on the floor. We're going to pray. So you come right now as we close out the service. And we're going to have a time that we're praying. We're committing this to God. We're committing to be watchmen. You come now. Go right ahead and come right on down here. I want us to gather for heartfelt, earnest prayer, committing judgment house, our local evangelism, to the Lord and um, that he would use us. He would use you. You would pray for God to, God, use me. Move in my heart. Bring conviction. Bring change in my life. Come right on. Just be seated anywhere around here, on the carpet, on the pews, on the stairs. If you're serious about this issue of God using you as his watchman. You're serious about it. Then you make your way right down here. And uh, let's just um, put a hand on one another's shoulder or hold a hand or somehow um, let's just be involved uh, with one another um, in this way. And Lord, um, on behalf of uh, your people, uh, and you know our hearts. Lord, I don't presume to, to know, uh, hardly even know my own heart half the time, it seems like. Can't know anyone else. And not going to uh, judge uh, genuineness or any such thing. You know. So, Spirit of God, search our hearts. Turn on that spotlight. Know our ways. See what wicked way, what way of Lack of faith, of prejudice, of indifference, of, of um, selfishness, whatever there might be. Fear that's in our hearts because of uh, any, just wanting to preserve our, um, our reputation or, or not wanting to uh, uh, be in an uncomfortable, awkward situation. Yet, Lord, you were willing to be made quite uncomfortable. You were willing to... Uh, become sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in you and be that watchman on the wall. So, Lord, uh, move in each one of our hearts. Convict us. Show us where there is um, lack of passion. There's been uh, there's blood on our hands. Lord, show us that. And that uh, we would be 
serious, conscientious, focused on turning from our own way and turning back to you. And once again, get in the guardhouse, get in the light house, get in the watchtower and sound a trumpet warning. Lord, you said in Isaiah, you told your prophet, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions in the house of Jacob, their sins. Isaiah did that. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, did that. Ezekiel did that. John the Baptist did that. And you call us to do that as well. So, Lord, may you now move in our hearts that we would set aside petty, uh, petty uh, preferences and comfort uh, demands and all the rest. And be busy in these days, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Lord, I commit each one here to you and that we would leave here this day, this evening, changed with a fresh burden and zeal and commitment. Even tonight, this week, to be used of you to sound the warning that judgment is coming. Lord, use our judgment house presentation. Equip those who are ministering in and through it. From the cast who have a role to play to those who are involved in props and set design and costuming and, and those who are the leaders of the, uh, the guides of the groups that are going through and registration and, and all the back behind the scenes folk knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And Lord, that you would do a work exceedingly abundantly above all that we could imagine more than last year, more in quality, more in quantity, sending out folks who need to hear the trumpet sound that Jesus saves. And Lord, for wind teams, thankful for all that's been accomplished this summer and into the fall with you to allow us to see fruit and fruit that remains from this good work. For Awana beginning this Wednesday. For souls to be touched as the leaders, the, the club directors and workers would in a spirit of love and compassion sound forth the message of repentance and faith and that children and teenagers would be brought to you. And Lord, even tonight, how burdened I am for lost church members and that you would arrest their attention. You would prick the hearts and give a sense of doom and gloom and a heaviness of soul that there would be the anguish uh, and desire to flee the wrath to come and an affinity, a draw to the glory of salvation and eternity in heaven. Lord, I want to be that watchman on the wall fulfilling the mission, preaching the message. Pray that for your children here. Do this good work 
Lord Jesus, that we leave here this evening forever changed. And we'll certainly thank you for that for all eternity. In your blessed and glorious name we do pray. And all God's people said, Amen. And amen. Amen.